Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. Today is part two of one of my favorite guests because we had such an amazing first episode that part two is going to be even more amazing. So today I'm interviewing for the second time, April Leakins, who is a board certified health coach, dual trained at Duke Integrative Medicine and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Driven by her own previous experience of hitting burnout, which led to a health collapse, she's fiercely passionate about helping women thrive inside and out. April's specialty is helping professional women and female entrepreneurs reduce stress, find balance, and feel the joy and freedom to walk in their purpose, passions, and callings. She lives in Virginia with her family, and when she's not working with clients, she enjoys writing and speaking on wellness topics traveling, photography, and searching for the perfect matcha latte. Thank you so much, April. Thank you so much for coming back for a second time. Yes, I'm so excited to be back on your show. It's such an honor. And um, and we had such a fun conversation last time. I, I'm looking forward to this conversation as well. Sleep is a, is a big topic. Yes, yes. So just to recap for the listeners, if this is your first time listening to April, I do encourage you to go back and listen to part one of the podcast episode that we did previously, we were talking about all things stress, how to manage your stress, your time boundaries, uh, you know, what stress even is and how it affects high achieving individuals. Now today we, we had so much to touch on in that interview that we decided to have a part two because there is a large contributing factor or detractor to our ability to function and be these high performing individuals. And it's all around sleep. So today we're going to be specifically focusing on sleep, but I do encourage you to go back and listen to the other episode uh, to make sure that you are aware of how the two integrate, because we will touch on it a little bit, but we're going to focus primarily on sleep. So this is, I'm so excited because I'm a firm believer in sleep. So I can't wait to dive into this with you today. Yes, me too. And it's, you know, it's a topic I've struggled with off and on for years too. So I know a lot about it and I'm just passionate about helping other people get better sleep. And, you know, so many people are struggling right now with sleep and kind of the long haul COVID effects and just stress, the stress of the last couple of years we've been in. Yeah. And exactly. And at the time that we're recording this now, it it probably will come out after the holidays, but I know that particularly around the holidays can be a particularly stressful time, especially for parents, uh, you know, with young children or that are juggling dual income households, trying to juggle family, family dynamics and requests and demands. So yeah, I mean, I think it's timely that we revisit this topic in in a sense of like, how can we use this time over the holidays or how can we use our time effectively over the next couple of months to recharge and start the new year fresh? 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it's hard to believe it's almost here. Like, I don't even know where, it, yeah, where it goes. It's December, uh, always December the end 1st. Of the summer, yeah. The end of the summer, it's like warp speed from, from there to the holidays. And you're like, wow, you just try to hold on. Yeah. Totally. So let's first talk about the restorative properties of stra- uh, of sleep, I should say. What? How did how did you become passionate about learning about the effects of sleep and how it works with what you do in coaching high performing individuals to prevent burnout? Really, due to my str- my own struggles, and so you know, I talked about my health collapse that I, in the first interview of you know, hitting burnout, um, that ultimately led to a health collapse. And I was diagnosed with a number of things at the time, but that's kind of when the sleep issues started for me. And, you know, that 2013 on after my dad died. And so, um, I struggled with it off and on. And so I, I just like to research things, you know, look into stuff. And it's definitely been something that I've worked with a lot of clients on as well, because so many people are struggling with their with their sleep. I mean, it's like 70 million Americans have, you know, sleep issues. So there's a, there's a lot of people struggling with that. So it's, it's just, it's an, you know, I always like to kind of ask first, like why even care about sleep? Right. You know, it's like, you know, you and I both work with a lot of high achievers and high performers. And so initially I get a lot of um, resistance from them when we talk about sleep, you know, just um, because it's, you know, it's gotten a bad rap. You know, but first, you know, there's been so many studies linking poor, poor sleep to so many crucial things. So, I mean, depression, anxiety, weight gain, decreased performance, like you were talking about diabetes, stroke, heart disease, I mean, cancer. Yeah, like cell rejuvenation like, and stuff. Yep, it all, ha- all happens. Aging. Yeah. yeah. Lack of sleep can make us look a, a lot older than we really are. You know, cancer, Alzheimer's. I mean, there's so many different things. And, and studies have also shown too that like if you're struggling with your weight, um, that a lack of sleep can increase your likelihood to be obese by like 23%. So sleep is really important. And um, it's interesting. And we touched on it in that last interview of how, you know, prior to the industrial revolution, like sleep was actually revered. So like scientists and scholars and leaders at the time really really elevated sleep and rest. And they weren't in this whole like hustle mentality that we found ourselves in ourselves in the last few decades. Right. And so, uh, and then we, since then we've heard all these comments like, you know, you snooze, you lose and, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead, that sort of thing too. So a lot of people and a lot of clients that I've worked with, you know, initially just feel like sleep is this whole waste of time, you know, really thinking that the brain and the body is like totally dormant during this time when, that's not the case. It's actually an intense time of like massive neurological activity. So there's been some studies too that have actually shown that parts of your brain are 30% more active when you're sleeping than when you're awake. So there's this whole amazing process that's happening when we're sleeping. So all our systems are basically kind of getting an upgrade when we're sleeping. So they're, they're getting an overhaul all the major systems, um, our memories are being categorized, organized, consolidated, things that we don't need to remember from the day, you know, those get wiped, that sort of thing. The brain's detoxing of um, proteins that have been linked to cognitive diseases. It's rewiring neurons. I mean, we're re- it's regulating our cortisol levels, which is, you know, can, helps to control our stress levels, regulates our blood pressure. I mean, all kinds of things too. And so, um, Thinking back, you know, I was working with a client this past year um, who 
came to me and he was one of those like, oh, I'll sleep, but I'm dead. He's like former military, you know, a kind of executive type. And and I'm, I just laughed and I'm like, OK, let's talk about that. And then we gradually started tracking it, you know, because he was feeling sluggish and he was having like the afternoon crashes and that sort of thing, too. So we we started tracking his sleep and um, he you know, really started to see in real time. So it wasn't just kind of like, how many hours am I getting? But how am I feeling? Like, what's the quality of my sleep the next day? And that was really eye opening for him to connect the dots there, just to really see in real time, like, oh my gosh, okay, on the days that I only get five or six hours, like I'm really struggling at work. Like I don't feel great. Like cognitively, I'm off. Um, my I'm eating. Like I'm craving all kinds of different things. But the biggest thing for him that was so fascinating was. Um, it he could see in real time how it was affecting his blood pressure. So on the days that he did not sleep well, his blood pressure was much worse than the days that he was. So again, it's there's so many amazing things that the body is doing during this time. And so it really starts with us kind of reframing and shifting what we how we view sleep. And, you know, of course, there's a number of celebs and and models and athletes that have in the last couple of years really talked openly about how important sleep is and, um, and people like Cindy Crawford and Gwyneth Paltrow and then of course Jennifer Lopez and like who doesn't want to look like Jennifer Lopez? I know. She's pretty amazing in her 50s, the right? 50-year-old that still looks 30. <laughs> oh my God, I know. But, um, you know, she aims for eight hours a night and, and it's, she really calls it her secret weapon. And so they call it beauty sleep for a reason. And then there was... Um, there's this really interesting study that Stanford did back in the early 2000s where they, they wanted to just study um, some of the athletes and performance. And they really weren't thinking at the time they were going to find anything profound. But they, um, they initially started working with the swim team and just helping them to gradually increase the, the duration of their sleep and the quality of their sleep. And it blew them away. The results, they were, they were absolutely not res- expecting the results because some of those athletes and swimmers went on to like shatter personal records, you know, and, and just um, excel at, at, you know, their sport. And so they, of course, went on to study the basketball team and the football team and found similar findings too. So it was really fascinating. And then, of course, if you guys listening follow sports and you follow like LeBron James, I mean, he's a big one that has talked really openly about sleep and he, um, he actually gets 12 hours of sleep a night and then he takes naps on top of that. And so people often joke that if he's not playing basketball, like he's sleeping, (laughs) (laughs) it's so important for him. And he's really tracked it and measured it and worked with coaches. And it's crucial for his, his basketball performance, but 12 hours is a lot, right? 12 hours is a lot. Like, how can you get anything done? I know. I couldn't. I just couldn't sleep that long. Yeah. But I mean, if LeBron James is doing it, then it must be working because at his age <laughs> to be the athlete that he is, you know, that um, he's clearly doing something right. And I and I love what you said there about two of my least favorite quotes ever are sleep when you're dead. And uh, and uh, what was the second one that you said? Um, snooze, you lose. lose. Yeah, yeah. And it's so funny. I remember I was at this personal development conference one year and um, and the guy was talking about how if you just slept one hour less a night, you could get so much more done in your day. What would that extra hour give you? And I, and I was like, Hmm, I've agreed on all of his points except this one, because I firmly disagree that you're more productive having that extra hour because when you are sleep deprived. And one of the things that you said also um, just before was you start to have like, 
cravings. I remember when I worked in corporate and I would be sleep deprived for a work day by about 3 p.m., I would need that sugar fix. I would have to have a piece of chocolate, something sweet, and I'm not a sweet tooth person, but the brain works so much on sugar, carbohydrates to function that when we don't get enough sleep, we then become fatigued. And the only way that we can give ourselves that energy boost is either through caffeine or sugar or some sort of artificial stimulant to keep us going to get us through that day. You know, everyone tells it that it calls it the the 3 p.m. lull or whatever it is, right? The crash. And I don't get that anymore now that I'm sleeping properly. Yeah. Well, it really dysregulates our hung, hunger signaling hormones. So it's the leptin and the ghrelin. So one helps with our feeling full and the other um, helps, you know, with cravings and other things too. And so, and it, that goes right back to that study I mentioned kind of in the beginning of that's why, you know, you're more likely to gain weight. Um, because when you're not sleeping, because it totally dysregulates that. And then it really revs up those cravings. And then it just ties right into stress, right? Too, when you're, when you're not sleeping, it creates a snowball effect with stress. And if you're stressed then you're stress eating, so it's all, it's all interconnected. Yeah. And it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Like what, which, which one do you have to fix first? You, you can't stop eating the cravings because you need the energy, but then, you know, if you don't have enough energy, then you won't make it through the day and then you can't sleep properly at night and because you, you had more caffeine or whatever. It's this sort of vicious cycle, right? And nobody ever craves salad, right? And you know, <laughs> you're like, oh, I need a good salad. Yeah. Like, Except if you've been away side. in Mexico or the US for a week and then you come home and you create, like when I went to the US last week, I could not believe how little greens people eat there. I was just like, I came home and I actually did crave a salad, <laughs> but you know, that's obviously not the, the general rule, but it was, yeah, it was pretty funny. It was the first time ever I, I craved a salad, <laughs> but um, yeah. So when it comes to sleep, how are some of the things that you find, for example, that it affects performance? Now, obviously we talked about, you know, getting through the day and energy levels, but what about when it comes to actual output, like creativity, um, you know, getting through the day, preventing burnout, that kind of thing. How does sleep affect that? Well, it affects everybody differently. So, you know, when you get a good night's sleep, you know, you really feel rested. Like you said, you've got those healthy energy levels where you feel like you can go all day and you don't have that dreaded, like that horrible afternoon crash that, you know, everyone's experienced where it's just like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it the last couple of hours. You know, your thinking is much more clear and, uh, and and emotionally, it really helps to regulate our emotions too. And so we've we've all been there, right? When you've had a not had a good night's sleep, and you you just don't show up as your best self the next day. You know, uh, mentally, physically, uh, cognitively, um, it's kind of similar to being hangry, right? But a different way. We need to co- like coin a sleep hangry term. <laughs> so yeah, totally. Yeah. And what about like, is there what is enough sleep? Like, how do we know that we're getting enough sleep? Like, like I recently just got one of those aura rings and it tells me, it gives me a score. It tells me how much deep sleep, how much light sleep, REM sleep. And I didn't know that deep and REM were different, you know, and, and what they do. And it gives a little explanation of, of what each one is. And it's so interesting because sometimes I'm like, oh, I got eight and a half hours sleep because I was in bed for eight and a half hours but it didn't actually mean that I got eight and a half hours. I was like awake and then asleep and then awake. And it's like, Oh, 6.75 hours actually, you know? So what is, what is the good number? Is there a general rule or? 
Then, yeah, their experts kind of recommend that seven to nine hours, um, in that sweet spot. And so knowing what your sweet spot is, and that's going to vary, you know, so that'll vary person to person, but it'll also vary during season. So when you're, that's why often when we're, we're um, fighting an infection or we feel like you're starting to get sick or you're recovering from something, we'll, we'll sleep more because the body's really trying to repair and, you know, restore things back to a homeostasis. And so it's just knowing your sweet spot in that number, you know, between that seven to nine hours. So do you, and then anything below that can, can start to damage things from a cellular level, a genetic, epigenetic level, and that sort of thing. If it turns chronic, do you know your sweet spot? And for me, I kind of need more eight hours. And sometimes it's more depending on what's going on. It might be eight and a half for me. Yeah. Mine's about 7.25 to (laughs) 7.5. Yeah. I know it's like seven hours and 15. You can tell I work with numbers, right? It's like seven hours and 15 minutes, 7.25. Yeah. But um, yeah, it seems to be around like just over seven. But if I get eight, of course, I feel super rested, but there's not a big difference between for me, if I get seven and a half and if I get eight, there's not a big difference. But if I get less than seven and then I get seven and a quarter hours, there's a big difference. So if I get like six hours and 45 minutes versus seven hours and 15 minutes, there's a huge difference in how I feel in energy wise. That's fascinating. Yeah. And a lot of it goes back to tracking, you know, and, and that can help you figure out how, how much you need to really feel good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The awareness piece is big. And yeah, ever since I started using that aura ring and this is not a sale, you know, I'm not sponsored. I wish I was. <laughs> um, but yeah, ever since I started using that, it was, um, yeah, ever since I started using the aura ring, I really had more of an awareness of like the different types of sleep that you're getting throughout the night because light sleep is what you get the most of. But then the deep sleep, I think it says that it's supposed to be about 25% of your total sleep and REM is between 20 and 25%. And they do, they have different functions. So like the REM sleep is for your brain activity and your memory and short-term memory, your brain function. Whereas the deep sleep is for your organs, your cellular regeneration, your muscle recovery, digestion, and all of that. And then your light sleep is something else. I I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but it was so interesting learning about that because I was like, oh, I just thought sleep was sleep. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it's fascinating. And like I've heard a lot of experts talk about it almost like a washing machine cycle where the body goes through different cycles and you want it to cycle through, you know, four or five times in a night. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, so super interesting. So how does that like, okay. So we know sleep is important. What would you say is one of the major factors of why people are not getting enough sleep or some of the, some of the key contributors? Yeah. Well, that's a loaded question. (laughs) There's so many, there's probably 15 answers for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there, there are, um, honestly, but what I see a lot for people is it's devices, you know, so it's working super late, you know, again, high achievers, like we, we like to the type A, you know, personalities, like we like to be working 24 seven and and doing and being busy and achieving and accomplishing things. So it's hard to turn, turn that off. And so for, for a lot of them, I find that their challenge is, you know, they're banging out emails and they're doing this and that right up and up until bedtime and then trying to jump into bed and wondering why they're not sleeping because it's a, you know, it's too overstimulating to be like checking and responding to emails and reading the news and that sort Scrolling of thing. Scrolling social you know, media. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then trying to go to sleep. And secondly, it really 
throws off our melatonin production with the blue light exposure too. So that's, that's a big one, but there's a variety of things I could, I could say. And of course, stress is a big one too. So if your stress levels are too high, it's going to be really tough to sleep. You know, that's why, you know, when you've ever had like a big presentation or a, a crucial meeting or something, you know, the next day, it's really tough to sleep that night because you, you, you're just wired. You're like wired, but tired. And, you know, you can have anxiety thinking about, you know, how it's going to go and that sort of thing too. And so stress is a big one. So it's really important to go back and listen to that first episode where we gave some sleep tips, I mean, some stress tips on, you know, how to manage that practically so that, you know, it's not too high for you. Yeah. And you can see the connection too, because especially if you're on your screen or you're on your device getting that blue light and you see something triggering, like maybe it's an email come through from a client that's blasting you about something that you did or your boss coming down on you or, you know, some, something else, you know, that could be triggering or see your ex-partner on a Instagram post with a new partner or something. You never know, right? Like anything. And then all of a sudden, not only are you having this, the device stimulation, but you're also then having a new thought pattern coming up right before you go to sleep. Right. And so what are some of the ways that people can, I guess, obviously not sleeping with their phone in their room is an ideal thing, not looking at it too close to bedtime and stuff like that. What are some of the ways that they can wind down from a stress perspective to prepare themselves for sleep besides just the devices? That's a really great question. And you know, that's so crucial. And so I, um, I love to follow Dr. Matthew Walker. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's one of the world's leading sleep experts mm, okay. and a out. lovely accent. Um, but he's, I believe he's at Stanford. And so he talks often about sleep being like landing a plane, you know, where if you're on a plane, you do not want the pilot to just nosedive and aim for that runway, right? Not if you want to survive. And so um, sleep is really similar where the body needs to gradually descend. And, um, and he's talked a lot about how, you know, adults, just like children, really need a bedtime routine. You know, we have this whole process for kids, right, where you're getting them ready for bed, where it's like, you know, bath time and story time and whatever it is you're doing with them, just, you know, to get them in that habit of, you know, sig- emotionally winding down, but also signaling to the body it's time time to go to sleep and adults really need the same thing too so that means what we're talking about you know it's really putting away the devices and doing something relaxing before bed and you know that could be anything from taking up taking a you know a bath to or a shower reading you know a book that's relaxing five minutes stretch yeah yeah stretching meditating doing some deep breathing really just whatever relaxes you um, is really important yeah, I I love what you use that analogy of like landing a plane, descending, like, you know, easing your way into it as opposed to I, I'm bad for not doing that. I just like brush my teeth, turn the lights off, jump in bed, <laughs> close my eyes and expect to fall asleep within five minutes and then get frustrated when I don't. <laughs> but it's but yeah, you know, you do as children, we see the bath time routine, the reading a story before bed, the laying in bed and having a cuddle or whatever with their parents. And, and sometimes the parent waits there with them until they sleep, or sometimes they just pass out right away, right? So it's sort of, um, but then we treat ourselves so differently as adults, like we are go, go, go cleaning the kitchen, putting the kids to bed, cleaning up the toys in the living room, or taking the dog out one last time or whatever it is that we're sort of rushing to do to get to bed by this desired time. And then even worse, if you have a television in your bedroom 
or, you know, sleep with your phone in your room for, for all those stimulation purposes. So yeah, I, lo- I love like it. a health coach. I love it. <laughs> no, but I love, I, I just love like reflecting on the analogy because it, I, you know, I was thinking about, it, I was like, Oh yeah, I, I nosedive as my landing. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like parachuting. Yeah. You're like parachuting in the, the, the runway. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like brush teeth, teeth, lights off in bed, lay there. <laughs> That's my nighttime routine. <laughs> So well, now you remember, I think you'll remember that analogy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so when it comes to, could you tell us a little bit about blue, like we hear this buzzword about blue light and how it affects your sleep and what it actually does. And you mentioned it, it um, blocks the melatonin level or something. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to expand yeah, on that. It, it suppresses it. Yeah. So not only do our devices, but the, the artificial lights in our homes um, really mimic natural sunlight. And the body is designed to thrive on a circadian rhythm, which kind of tells us naturally when to go to sleep, when to wake up. And it has a lot to do with with sunlight and light. And so those devices mimicking that can really throw things off and really dysregulate our melatonin production, which is really the sleep hormone. And so um, in the blue light devices actually, interestingly, tell the brain like, hey, it's not time to go to bed right now, like essentially stay awake. So um, there's been some studies, too, that have found that, you know, looking at your devices right before bed can actually suppress your natural melatonin production by like a third, which is really significant. So most sleep experts like Dr. Walker and and, a bunch of others really recommend putting away those devices an hour before bed, you know, so that it doesn't doesn't um, disrupt things. And, you know, for me, I love, you know, well, I'll just pause there and say, okay, so for some, for those listening, I'm sure I just got to like, are you kidding me? Like in their head uh, moment with that, because an hour before bed, it's a pretty long time. Totally. If you think about most people, they're on their phone scrolling of some sort before bed. And it is. And so the tip there I would say is back it up slowly. So start by maybe putting it away 20 minutes before bed and then gradually increasing that to 30 minutes, you know, then bumping it up from there. But the thing about devices are, you know, they're, they're addictive and we're all addicted to them. They're designed to be addictive, but they're very much out of sight, out of mind. So you have it across the room or you better yet, you've got it in another room. The temptation to like check and check and check and do one more thing is like pretty much zero. So that can be a great way to just slowly put it away. And, you know, I've had clients that actually like, they've got these funny little things now where you can actually get little phone beds and you can like put your phone to bed. Oh my God, that's so funny. I love that. I should totally do that. And and even, and even like going back to basics, I remember when I was a kid, we had an alarm clock, like a clock in our bedroom and using an alarm clock because everyone says, oh, I need it for the alarm. So I need to sleep with it in my bedroom. But if you have an alarm clock that you can easily set for different times and you don't actually need your phone in your room. And then similarly, you're, it's not the first thing that you grab when you wake up either, right? Exactly. So you're allowing, you can't, yeah. you can't reap for it. Yeah, exactly. So then you like physically having to, I tried it. I remember I tried it for like three days where I charged my phone in my kitchen and used my alarm clock. I actually have a clock in my bedroom and um, it's amazing because you, it's, well, it's firstly amazing that our bodies are so wired to grab our phone as soon as we open our eyes. And it's the first thing that we're waking up our brain with, which is also not good for your stress levels. Because then, again, if you see that email come through overnight and it triggers you, then it sets your whole day up for failure, right? Or that anxiety response. But also, like, if you do spend that first 10 minutes getting in that natural sunlight when you wake up into your brain, as opposed to that blue light, I'm, I'm assuming would have a similar 
impact on your day, on the outcome of your day. It's yeah, it's definitely helpful for your circadian rhythm. So just getting some some natural sunlight first thing in the morning, or as you're drinking coffee or tea or whatever you do in the morning, getting some getting some light can really help, of course, wake you up, but it can just kind of help to set that circadian rhythm too. Yeah. I would love actually for you to, to just explain, I I know what circadian rhythm is, but I feel like a lot of listeners maybe wouldn't necessarily know what that is. Are you able to just explain what that is? I mean, essentially in layman terms, it's really just your, your body's regulation of your wake and sleep cycles. So, you know, that naturally when you wake up and then naturally when you fall asleep. And so we're all kind of different. Some of us are night owls, some of us aren't. And so it varies a little bit based on person to person, but it's just kind of that internal clock that we all have that, that is closely um, aligned to kind of what's going on outside again with sunlight and that sort of thing. And again, it's from an evolutionary standpoint where we, you know, we've really only been working inside buildings, you know, um, for for really not that that long a period where prior to the industrial revolution, you know, it everybody was, you know, you you got up when it was light and you worked until it was dark and then you just went home and went to bed. You know, after that, it's it's really been since electricity and all these amazing you know technology advances that we've had that that we've been staying up a lot later and then we've had all these you know interesting fun devices distracting us and and creating, um, different sleep wake cycles. Yeah. And it, I guess that would be why we experience jet lag when we travel. Cause it's like a different time zone, different hours yeah. of when it gets dark and when it gets light. Like for example, I remember when I went to Australia, it, I would always going to Australia from Canada, I would be fine because I'd essentially be sleeping on the plane when it was night in Australia. And I'd wake up in the morning when it was morning there. But then on the way back, you would leave during the day, you'd fly so long that you'd miss your night of that day. And then you'd, and then you'd arrive in the morning. So you were leaving in the morning and arriving in the morning. And so you'd essentially skip a night and the jet lag coming back to Canada was always brutal. It would take me like five or six days to get onto a normal schedule. And would that be because of the circadian rhythm? Yeah, because the body's really get used to a certain kind of time time range, and so and then you throw it off quickly by flying into another time zone, and yeah, it just throws everything off, and it's you feel it. Oh man, and just the stress of travel, and you know, and the fumes and everything else. You know, there's a lot of reasons for for the jet lag for sure. But yeah, that I I would love to visit Australia at some point, but I'm like. I don't know. That seems a little far for me. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. If I could you just like, to, yeah. you know, be beamed up instantly over there, their warp speed or something, I think I would go. But. Yeah. <laughs> so um, talking about sleep, there's obviously a lot of things, coping mechanisms and whatnot that people use as artificial mm-hmm. forms of energy because they're not getting enough sleep. And we sort of touched on that earlier, but what are you, what would you say are some of the the key coping mechanisms to deal with either not enough sleep or, you know, trying to mask the energy, that kind of thing. Yeah. In a healthy way or an unhealthy way. Both. <laughs> I would love to hear yeah, both. Yeah. Well, caffeine's a big one. I talk yeah. to clients about that one all the time, you know, cause it's a stimulant, right? So it's, it can make falling asleep really difficult and it can really diminish the quality of that restorative sleep that we were talking about earlier. And it can stay in your body for quite some time. I mean, hours, like a really long time. And it depends on your metabolism. So some people metabolize it a lot faster than others. Some people are more sensitive to caffeine than others. And so it's experts really recommend kind of 
having it in moderation, you know, before noon, you know, and kind of cutting, cutting off around lunchtime and that sort of thing. And the reason being, studies have shown that if you have, you know, a cup of coffee, say at noon, it can like a quarter of it to um, a half can can still be in your body by midnight. And it's like, who's going to drink a quarter cup of coffee at midnight and then, you know, parachute right into bed <laughs> and, and expect to go to sleep, you know, it's just not going to happen. And so, um, and it depends on your sensitivity, right? Everybody's different. And so I was working with a, um, a like sales director um, earlier this year, and she was struggling with kind of energy levels and cravings and different things. And so we, we took a look at her sleep and um, her sleep was off. She felt like she was just tired all the time. She was having trouble falling asleep. Well, she was, she was drinking caffeine like well into the afternoon just to kind of cope. And it creates that vicious cycle, right? So when you're exhausted, you're tempted to, to, you know, have more stimulants, which then messes up your sleep. Then you wake up even more exhausted. And so it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so just through kind of trial and error and backing it up slowly, you know, and, and it, and I'll just preface that with it. It's not easy to just like cut caffeine out cold Turkey or, you know, or drastically change, you know, how much you're drinking. So it's much easier to kind of back it up. So with her, we started kind of slowly. So I think she was drinking it through till like 3 PM or something. And, um, and so Which a lot of trial uncommon. and error. Yeah. yeah, it isn't. It really isn't. And so she found that um, her cutoff time is actually 11, like anything beyond that. And she absolutely could not sleep well that night. And so, again, it just it really varies person to person. But you know, some great alternatives can be, of course, drinking decaf in the afternoon. If, if it's like something to do it. and it's like you need to yeah. get up and go to the coffee machine. Because I know that that's a big thing when you work in an office is – Sometimes you need a reason to get up and go to the kitchen and just stretch your legs or go downstairs to the cafe and, you know, maybe you're getting a herbal tea instead. And because it's, I, I remember that it's like, sometimes you just need a five, 10 minute break. And the default is, well, I'll just go make a coffee or I'll go grab a coffee. When you really don't necessarily need the coffee, what you need is the 10 minute break from your desk, exactly. right? Yeah. Yeah. And it can be a habit, you know, too, um, just to kind of break. But one thing, if you really love the, the taste of coffee, a really great alternative is dandelion tea. It has a very similar flavor profile to coffee. So I have a lot of clients that love it. And it's, um, it's just, it's naturally decaffeinated and it's really great for your liver and your skin and a variety of other um, good benefits, but it, it's pretty close to, to coffee. And then of course, alcohol is another big one, right? And it's, that one, you know, a lot of people have this kind of mis misconception that it's a sleep aid when really it's it's a sedative. So yes, alcohol can 100% make you fall asleep faster, but it will often cause you to wake up more frequently in the middle of the night and it really throws off your REM sleep, which again, we were talking about, you know, it's that really high quality sleep that is so crucial in, in regulating all the systems in the body and disease prevention and that sort of thing too. And so, um, wow, that's so interesting about the alcohol thing. I was literally just having a conversation about this the other day with a sommelier and I was saying, Hey, have you ever heard about this thing where red wine wakes you up in the middle of the night at like 3am? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, okay, well, when I drink red wine, it, like you said, it's a sedative. It'll sort of knock me mm -hmm. out first. And it's only red. It's not white. And it's, sometimes it's not even all reds. But Interesting. yeah, so what I said was that like, it will put me to sleep right away as soon as my head hits mm -hmm. the pillow. 
But then I wake up at three or four in the morning and I'm awake for like an hour and a half. And it's only when I drink red wine. And it's so funny that you said that, that it interrupts your sleep pattern because I've always wondered about this because it's such a weird little thing that happens to me. And it doesn't seem to happen to a lot of other people, but I, I bet you that there's there's something. Oh, it totally happens. I hear it all the time. It happens to people all the time. Oh, yeah, interesting. So mo- most people do wake up with alcohol. Yeah, in the middle of the night, they just may not be aware of it, depending on how much they've drank. And two reasons. So one, it's you know a stressor on your liver, and you know the body's trying to process and filter that out in the middle of the night and the liver kind of has a clock. And so it likes that like one, two, three o'clock in the morning hours to really do its thing. So it's aggravating it during that time. And then it also raises our core body temperature. And so when we get too warm, when we're sleeping, it can wake us up and make you feel really uncomfortable. That's another thing that happens to me. Also, when I drink red wine, I wake up sweating. Yeah. There you go. Okay. So this is it. Yeah. Okay. So this yeah. is really interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize that the liver had a clock. That's so fascinating. I'm so glad yeah. I finally learned this because I'm like, what is it? <laughs> and your body, your body temperature actually, um, you know, varies in the middle of the night too, while you're sleeping, depending on the sleep stages. And I can't tell you exactly what's doing what, when, cause I don't know. But, um, but if it gets, if your core body temperature gets too um, to warm, it will absolutely wake you up. Wow. Isn't that just uncomfortable? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess like also because your liver is working in overdrive, maybe it's heating your body up in some way because it's trying to literally detoxify itself. Yeah. Well, part of the digestion and all that stuff too. So, you know, the last point I was going to say on that too, with, you know, if we eat too late in the evening, um, that can really dysregulate our sleep as well, um, or eating sugar, like right before bed, because it spikes your, your insulin levels. And then of course you can have a crash later in the middle of the night, but same reason it increases your core body temperature when there's food to digest and the body needs a couple hours to digest. So if you've ever gone out, you know, on vacation and you've had this like amazing giant meal, you know, and then you're lying in bed, like, Oh, it hurt. You're just like, Oh, this is miserable. It's so bad. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that plays a factor in that too. And so, um, and also people that suffer from things like GERD and indigestion and acid reflux are like much more prone to having their sleep disrupted, um, for those reasons. Wow. Oh my gosh. So many, so many good nuggets. So if there was like one piece of advice that you could give to our listeners, to our high performers about, how that they how they can manage and get more sleep what would you say your one main piece of advice is oh gosh well it's i have so many there's it's hard to sum it up but I, honestly i would say first and foremost it, it goes back to that what we were saying in the beginning like it, you you got to reframe how you see sleep as not this like waste of time but a tremendous asset because if you want to feel your best inside and out you know and perform at you know on your a game and and perform like lebron and everybody else you know, it really requires making sure you're getting, you know, that, that number in for that sweet spot for you and that seven to nine hours and, and seeing it as a major asset yeah. and not and prioritizing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Prioritizing it as, as if you would prioritize a meeting or a task or something else in your life, like incorporating that into your priorities. Right. Yeah. And so you know, what you're saying, a good point is, you know, a lot of people have wake up alarms, you know, but I've had quite a few clients that really benefit from having a sleep alarm just so it totally, cause, you know, sometimes yeah. when you're working on projects and you're in the middle of things, like you just get in the flow and you get lost in what, what you're doing. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh crap, it's 11 o'clock. 
you know, just having a sleep alarm can kind of help you to rein things in and like, you know, help, help you to like signal, uh, you know, like it's time to start landing the plane. Uh, I was just going to say that. Yeah. It's time to start landing the plane. It's time to start our descent. (laughs) Exactly. I love that analogy so much. I'm definitely going to be using that in my own nighttime routine. I'm not going to be parachuting out of the plane anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I'd love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been so, again, like I'm, I'm so glad we did part two. So again, if you haven't heard April on the previous episode, there is a part one to this. Uh, so make sure you go back and listen about how you can prevent burnout. And April, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? How can they work with you if they loved these two episodes? Because you are just such a wealth of knowledge that I hope people listening are like, oh, this is exactly what I need to work on. How can they work with you? Yeah. Well, if you're having, you know, um, just shovel the sleep, you know, working with a coach can be really helpful. Like myself, um, it could be talking, you know, if you're really struggling, certainly talking to your doctor and as well, you know, and, and there's a variety of different, um, sleep issues that you may or may not be having to. So sometimes that's beneficial as well, if you're really struggling to, but yeah, if you're listening, I would love to connect with you. Um, I am Globy lovely on Instagram. You can also check out my website, which is aprillikens.com. Yeah. And we'll link and all I've that. Got, yeah. I've got a few resources, um, that are really helpful on there for, um, for just de-stressing like a new guide that I just put up called 15 ways to say goodbye to chronic stress which has a lot of these tips and they tie right into sleep, but they also tie into stress too. And so they're really helpful for preventing that exhaustion and burnout. And then I just launched a new quiz on the website too, that is called, are you headed towards burnout? Which will give you a lot of those warning signs to see, see where you're at. But if you, like I said, if you're struggling or you feel like you need a lifeline, um, or you want to learn more about my private coaching program um, called Beat Burnout. Just check it, check out my website, which is aprilikens.com and say hi. I always love hearing from listeners and it's good to hear feedback and, and what you enjoyed hearing. Yes, totally. I love that. Yeah. And and we connected originally, I believe on LinkedIn. That was yes. how we, that was how we first met. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, I'm so glad that I have you in my network now. I, yes. you know, feel so fortunate to have met you. So thank you so much for coming back for round two of, uh, of our Make That Money Honey podcast. We will link all of April's contact details in the show notes below. So if you missed that and you're driving and you want to, you know, be able to connect with her, definitely reach out to her on LinkedIn, check out her website or on Instagram. And, um, thank you so much again for joining me today, April. It was, it was so great to learn about this. And I know that our listeners are going to get massive value from it. Thank you. It was awesome to be on again. And hopefully this will be our last conversation. Totally. I'll be back on at some point or something else. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey. 